Welcome to Holding the Fort Abroad, the podcast for expats with traveling partners. My name is Rhoda Bangata. I'm a certified coach and the author of the book Holding the Fort Abroad. In this podcast, I interview men and women who live abroad and have traveling partners so that we can all benefit from their wisdom and experience. I also invite relationship experts to apply their expertise to this topic. Today, my guest is Claire Hoxwell. Claire is a mum. She's a coach for accompanying supportive spouses. She's been an accompanying spouse for many years. She's a blogger at My Theory on Blooming. And she's writing a book which she will tell us about. She's lived in Geneva, Brussels, Mexico City, Johannesburg and Zug. Claire, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rhoda. I'm so excited to be here. Claire, I know that you know all about this life of being an expat. And when we hear stories of accompanying spouses, we don't often get to hear it from the angle of, well, um, my husband was away a lot. Absolutely. Um, and it's a good story to be told because I think it's something that happens a lot more frequently than we realize. So my husband and I moved abroad in 2009. We had a two-year-old at the time and I was pregnant. I was seven months pregnant when we arrived in Geneva, which was quite possibly the dumbest thing I'd ever done, but it happened. So I had a newborn and a toddler um, in a new city with a husband that traveled quite frequently at the time. He was opening a new office in Europe. And so he was gone quite a bit. Um, and he had been, he had traveled most of our relationship. So it wasn't something that I wasn't used to. But when you move to a new city in a new country with a new language and, and you have new babies, it's a bit overwhelming. Right. That was kind of baptism by fire, I think. Yeah. Yeah. When it came to that. So, yeah, mm -hmm. we did that for a long time. Um, then we moved, you know, as we moved around, kids got older, but his schedule of travel just intensified. I mean, there was times when he was gone for two to three weeks at a time. And that was two, three weeks gone, home a week. You kind of get into a groove, but at the same time, it's really tiring. Yeah, for sure. So you, you guys met, you got married in the US, right? Are you both from the US? Yes, we're both American. Okay. Uh, okay. Yep. And he was traveling at the time. So we met and we both worked in uh, sourcing and we traveled for work. As his career progressed, we kind of bounced around a little bit um, within the US and he'd always traveled for work. I mean, right. I can remember laughing early on in our marriage where I said, I don't think you've been home for one of my birthdays yet because right. he traveled to, he always had global responsibilities. So he was in China or Brazil or wherever it was that he was traveling. Uh, so it kind of became a joke. And then okay. we got married and we had children and I was kind of like, oh, this is not such a great joke anymore. <laughs> You're right. always gone. You're you're never home for the big days. Um, right. I mean, for my 10th anniversary, he said we were supposed to go to Maldives for our 10th anniversary. And instead he goes, well, unfortunately, how about moving to Mexico instead? And I was like, right. oh, oh my OK, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. sure. But, you know, 
Uh, yeah, I totally get it. I totally get it. And that's why I wanted to talk to you. And uh, I've got two two dads uh, who have agreed as well to share because it's the other way, the flip side where it's the, the wives who are traveling a lot. And it's just not uncommon. Right. It's not uncommon to arrive from for a mom, for example, to arrive in a new place, pregnant with a toddler and within sometimes a matter of days their partner's gone already on a plane. And I think it's super important that people who are living this realize that they're not alone. Because sometimes you're alone in your own community of expats. Now, did you um, realize that um, this was sort of something extra or did you just think, oh, it comes with the job, it comes with the territory? You know, I had, to be quite honest, I had absolutely no idea. We moved overseas um, and we were the only people for his company. So there wasn't, it wasn't like I went into this um, network of other expat spouses that I could connect with. And our kids were so little that they weren't going to international school. They were going to crushes. And so the connection really wasn't there because a lot of the crushes mm -hmm. were even though it was Geneva and it was this super international place, it was mm. a lot of local parents, which were great and very kind, but I had a hard time connecting because I didn't speak French and I didn't, you know, I didn't know the customs and I didn't know the culture yet. And it was so overwhelming. I think the only place that I knew how to make community is I went and sought out an English speaking playgroup. Right. And I didn't, I don't think I did it for me. I mean, for my daughter, I did it for me. Like I right, right. was like, I got to find this because I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to do it. And this is before yeah. Facebook groups were huge. And, you know, you couldn't just look it up on the internet and find every blog. Like it just didn't seem that either I didn't know or it wasn't there yet. I mean, I was still using like a directory book. Right. This is like, you know, this is. 13 years, years ago. ago. Yeah, it was a long yeah. time ago. So, I mean, things have obviously changed since then. So I didn't know what I didn't know. And I think that added layer of the ambiguity of like what life is supposed to look like and what life should, like, I know what I would be doing if I was in my home country. Right. But to put the layer of like, well, where do I go to do this? Or how do I get involved in here? Or like just going to a playgroup wasn't just going to a playgroup. I still felt like an outsider. I didn't know how to connect. Hmm. I was very lonely, very, very lonely. Yeah. And that affects the home life. So hmm. tell me more. Well, it's just if it affects the home life in a sense of like, I mean, you and I, You're not know, happy. You, you get resentful. I'm home all day. I'm stuck here. I can't go anywhere. I don't take showers. I, you know, I'm doing all these things that are like, by the end of the day, I'm just drained and I've gone nowhere. Yeah. yeah. And you've had no outside contact. Yeah. But that was Geneva. And that was a year and a half. When we moved to Brussels, my life dramatically changed because my older daughter had gone to international school. It was just like, there are other people out there. Like it was just this amazing um, experience of like, oh, there's other moms and yeah. dads. There weren't quite yeah. so many dads back then, but there were lots of moms. Those years where the, the children are really small 
um, and not yet going to, you know, school or kindergarten on a regular basis is really intense. And if on top of that, your partner's away and you're transitioning into new places, it gets really, really a lot. So then you're saying it's got a little bit easier when she went to, to international school, you got a bit more of a network. Did you realize still that having a traveling husband was maybe something extra that other people around you didn't necessarily have or did you just take it as part of the life i took it as part of my life but i was i don't know i, I kind of got to a point where i didn't you know you don't have the grant i never had grandparents around us we lived far away from grandparents and aunts and uncles and all that stuff so i never really had even when my oldest daughter was really little we didn't have that i always had to depend on myself to be mindful of like how can i make things happen so we were really good about setting up babysitters and and, and daycare and we'd always done that the, the smartest thing i ever did when we lived in brussels and dave was traveling 85 percent of the time was i connected with some babysitters from the school who happened to be sisters Okay. And they became mother's helpers twice a week. Right. And they would take the school bus home to my house. They were probably 14, 15, 16 years old and they wanted to make money and yeah. I was willing to pay it. And they came over and they came over from like 3.30 till 7.30 or four o'clock to eight o'clock. And on those nights, I would go to the grocery store by myself. I would go have dinner with a friend. I would go to the gym by myself. And I didn't have to give baths. I didn't have to put them down at night. It was just because there was no other person in the house to just do. Yeah. It gave me that minute to breathe. Yeah. What difference do you think that made overall? Oh, it made me a better mother for sure. And it gave me the, it gave me a chance to recharge when I was really low. Was it your only thing? That was the biggest thing. I mean, obviously, um, I had lots of my friends. Many of my friends had kids the same age. And I do find over time it would you'd find like, I'm just going to make a big batch of spaghetti bolognese. Why don't you bring your kids over for dinner? And it's those little tiny things that you can do for your friends that you don't because they their husbands are traveling to or they work extra late, you know, like they didn't always have everybody around the dinner table for a family dinner every night. Okay. You know, moms or dads get home late too. I mean, they could be nine o'clock at night before some of the parents are coming home, the working spouse. So a lot of times we would just say, hey, let's just have the kids over here for dinner. I'll make a big spaghetti bolognese and we'll have a glass of bubbles and we'll just chill and decompress. So you wouldn't you wouldn't wait for them to say, "Hey, I'll take the kids off you for for a little bit to help you because your husband's away." You'd say like you'd invite everybody over and it would help you in the sense that then you're helping them and they're hanging out and so you're killing two birds with one stone. In, right. <laughs> in the sense where you're saying, "Hey, you know, I get adult company, the kids get fed, um, and we all get through this together. Is that what you're saying? 100%. And I saw that happen a lot where it would be like, you know, one week it might be at this person's house and one might, you, you'd then swap and go to the other person's house. Right. It gives you some sense of community as well. I mean, it just, when you're isolated, when you do have little kids like that, you can get so wrapped up in them that you forget that there's this outside world. 
and you're trying to do the best you can, but gosh, we all need a little bit of like, we need support. We need to be able to complain about our spouse. We need to like, we need those people to, to talk to. Um, and they're going yeah. through it too. So misery loves company. Why not? Yeah. And I know, I, I think it's great to, it's great advice to think that don't wait for someone to necessarily invite you over. You invite them over. Um, and just make a big party out of it and maybe you know it'll help you get through that evening potentially and it might even help them in the sense that they their partner might be coming home late like you said absolutely I mean just because my husband used to work lots of hours even if he wasn't traveling so you know there's a lot of people that single parent by themselves a lot even though the spouse is there yeah I mean, I don't know how many times when I hear like, oh, well, the kids go to bed before he gets home or yeah, he's out the door before they wake up in the morning or, you know, that happens quite a lot. I think these are little things that we can do for each other that, you know, it's just as easy to make two boxes of pasta as it is to make one. That's true. That's very good. So um, the children were getting a bit older. You were in Brussels. He was he was traveling 80% of the time. That's a huge amount. So I call it like having a suitcase by the door. Was he literally walking in, unloading his suitcase, you're washing everything and then repacking it and he's off again? Yeah. And especially towards the end of it, he took a new role at the end of our time than when we were in Brussels and he was in Mexico. So that was our next stop, but he was part right. of a transition team. So he was gone for, yeah, could be three weeks at a time. And then he'd come home for a week and it would be, he's there, but he's jet lagged and he's tired and he, all he's been doing is working. And yeah, the whole reconnecting part is it's hard. Like I got a schedule and now you're getting in the way. Right. <laughs> Not that right. I don't appreciate that. the help. Right, right. That is one of the first things when we were talking about Kabul. Um, I don't know if you've heard me say this before, but when we were talking about uh, Olivier going to Kabul for like eight weeks at a time or more, the first advice we were given was by two different families was just be careful with the reconnecting time because when he comes back home, uh, yeah, just he's going to mess up the rhythm and, and you're just going to have to go with the flow because uh, <laughs> yep. it's just the way it is. It's a transition time, you know, 100 percent. And when we move, when we finally did get transitioned to Mexico, when my husband is not taking on a global role, he's more local and he will travel on occasion. But then it's reverse culture shock. You're like, oh, whoa, he's home. Now you're home all the time. And right. now we have to figure out how to do that. We've done both, you know, sides of the spectrum. And right. there's no, you know, sometimes I'm always like, don't you have somewhere to go? Like <laughs> this whole pandemic. I love thing, you, I'm like, but love you know, you, but no. yes. I'm like, <laughs> can't you go back to the office or somewhere? But it, it's, it's not, I guess as my kids have gotten older, which makes mm -hmm. things I say things easier. It's not easier. It's just different kinds of problems. Yeah. The the hands-onness of my kids as they've gotten older has obviously decreased. And that's yeah. where that exhaustion comes from, I think, as a as a mom, as a parent, when you're alone parenting. 
Yeah. When um, they're young, it's very physical, isn't it? When they're older, it's more mental and emotional and you're supporting the transition into adulthood. And But that's something that he can maybe get involved more at a distance. It's more workable right. uh, for the traveling partner to, to get involved with it at a distance. Um, how did you navigate those transitions then? Any Any tips you've learned from experience or...? Um, the transition back to home? Yeah, you know, when he comes back home and sort of all the routine goes, uh, no, um, who was it? Someone said, uh, you know, I can handle the leaking roof when he's not home. I can't handle him putting the fork in the wrong place when he's home. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's sometimes it's not it's not so bad. I mean, to be quite honest, he's he and I are pretty good. Yeah. My girls, I will say, are very much more dependent on me mm. because I've just been their constant. Yeah. I'm always the constant. So that has been, I guess, he does things that he knows from a perimeter, like, I'm not going to screw this up. Like, if I take a kid to okay. school, if I say, does someone want me to drive him to school, that typically doesn't mess things up, right? Right, right. But if he just decides I'm going to do this and I'm going to take, no, I take this child to school on this day because then I go to my class that's right around the, you know, like there are things, I think it's a little bit of like, Hey, tell me if you want to get involved because then we can figure out ways to put you back into the schedule without interrupting it. Yeah. Um, on greater proportions. And I think it's also they have to want to show some initiative of to what they want to do, because right. I think sometimes we, or at least me, I will have this expectation like, oh, you're home. Great. You can do all these things. And he's like, ah, uh, no. Overwhelmed. I don't, yeah. I can't do all those things because just because I'm home doesn't mean that like I've got all the time in the world. Mm. So, yeah, I think... Uh, Obviously, communication between your partner is huge. Yeah. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. And noticing those places where there's an unease or where there's something's been triggered and uh, you both end up in a, in a bad mood and you're like, oh, I wonder what happened there, you know, has, has, have, have, you know, have they taken over some space that was mine? Do I feel like squeezed or um, have, you know... Have, have they, in, you know, done something that's messed up the routine? And I think if both both sides sort of are aware that during that time there's going to be stepping on toes and readjustments that need to be made, I think that can, that just knowing it, I think, can be can be a huge help as well. And like you, like you said, I think you pointed out two very important things, which is you ask them, what what is it? What specific things do you want to get involved in? And I can, you know, we can work around that. And then them knowing, you know, oh, well, okay. Um, and maybe us telling them, uh, listen, I'll handle this and I'll handle that because this is how it works and I'm fine with it. Keeping working like that. You don't have to get involved because it's going to mess it up. No offense. <laughs> so I think those two aspects are, are really important uh, tips for, for people navigating those times. Yeah. I mean, and it's also a little bit of like, I would say if I've not been the traveling spouse, but I would say from being the traveling spouse coming in, you have to be a little bit more aware Hmm. Of, of, of what's going on around you because there is a well-oiled machine going on around you. 
And if you walk into something and and you try to get involved, it probably comes off as upset or pissy or whatever he's going to call like whatever kind of emotion that shows out. It's not that I don't appreciate the fact that you're doing those things, but you're just not thinking about what it might do. So I think there right. has to be a little bit of awareness on the traveling spouse's side to just be a little co- like more cognizant of what's going on and to watch how things are happening because yeah. your spouse has probably got it up fully under control. They would love to re- like let go of some of that control, but you've got, you can't just throw a wrench in it and be like, you know, we're going to change everything now. Right. So right. they've got things moving the way that works for them and you got to work together. I don't know. Yeah. And we can tell them that. We can say, listen, I have a well-oiled machine here and I'm happy to hand over some because it is a lot. But just maybe observe a day or two and then see what you, let's talk about what you can pick up because um, that would be helpful. Yeah. Good points. Good points here. Very helpful, I think. Um, Do you guys say good night, good morning? Do you guys like have regular communication plans? How does he communicate with the with the girls, or is it kind of random? Does it matter? What do you think? Now it's weird because he hasn't traveled in so long due to the pandemic. He doesn't. Tra- he's supposed to start traveling again here soon, so that's we'll see how it goes again. But you know, we went from yeah, it would be hey, your dad's on the phone. Do you want to say hi? I always feel like the kids are so just used to be so disconnected because it was, Mm -hmm. he's in a different time zone. He's trying to call us. We're always like in the middle of dinner or something is happening and someone's in the bathtub or I'm driving and they're just trying to find a few minutes in their day to connect with you. And I did find, or a lot of the, the travel that he did, we just didn't connect. Like it would be a, I'm okay. I'm alive. I would get a text Yeah, just because the kids are in school when he would be awake or if we were in Mexico and he was in China, I mean, that's a 12 hour time difference. Yeah. It doesn't work. So yes. yeah, there were a lot of those kind of like bumps. And, and I do think that we probably didn't handle that as well as we could have, mm. but we did the best that we could at the time. Yeah. Would you keep him updated with the girls? Yeah. I mean, if everyone, how is everybody? Everyone's good. No one's prop. Yep. Everyone, you know, it, it was more like if there was a big problem, okay, we, I would communicate it because when you have these little conversations, half the time he's probably not even paying attention to me because he's rushing to another meeting. My bigger conversations, I feel like I would get more in. Like if it was a weekend, I would get more with him. Okay, um, because I don't always feel like those midweek. You know, he's going from meeting to meeting to business dinners to whatever it happens to be. And we're only getting the I'm alive. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, Elise has a like, yeah, Elise has a cold. We're fine. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And if maybe they're even working longer hours because they're not coming home to family. And so they're trying to cram it all in while they're there. Right. Before they come back. Right. I do think that that was something that we struggled with, but I when they were little, I would be like, hey, come say hi to dad. And luckily we had Skype and FaceTime and those things. Yeah. So we were lucky. Yeah. But there was a lot that he missed. I had that dilemma a little bit. Um, well, more than a little bit. And I used to tend to write emails and like do bullet points of things so that I'd 
catch him up on things because I, I don't want to spend, you know, my precious time on online with him necessarily, you know, just blurting out everything that's just happened. But to keep him updated, that can be useful to just pop it in an email so that he can see it in one big go when he's off you know off duty let's say off, off no work. that's a great idea um, and there's marco polo as well which have you heard of that no which it's like um a message app where you record a video and as soon as you stop recording the video it goes mm -hmm. and then when they're free they listen to it then they can re reply them so it's like a, 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 um, a non-simultaneous conversation that you can have with someone and one of my friends she uses it a lot and so she'll just like because sometimes I feel they miss out on like you know uh, first day of school and you ask the kid how it's gone and they're like and this happened and that and that happened you can never recreate that conversation right because if he asks them an hour later they'll have calmed down they'll have forgotten half of it you know they're, they're like oh, i've already said it once right so they don't want to see it a second time so sometimes recording those moments that the marco polo app but then that's new technology you know that we can um, make the most of. Yeah. And now that my kids are older, I mean, he can text them or call them. Yeah. Um, not that my kids are the best texting and calling kids, but you know, he can have his own communication with them. Yeah. So that is yeah. kind of nice. Um, yeah. Again, it takes me out of it because I think they need to have that connection. Yeah. And I enjoy watching like now that Dave's been home for two years with COVID, he takes my daughter to school in the morning. Mm -hmm. I mean, and he's never done that before. And yeah. so to just have that is such a good, it's a nice thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back to the uh, anniversaries and birthdays and all that, how do you handle him missing those things? Because I'll tell you why I'm asking the question, because I think it's it happens a lot in many families, I think. But also because I remember when we were again, when we were discussing Kabul, um, I he was not going to come back for Christmas. And I was rather upset about that. I thought, you know, Christmas is a, is a non-negotiable. But then we were talking to one of these families and she said, oh, no, he didn't come back for Christmas either. And I'm like, oh, this is oh, OK. This is something other families are OK about. Right. Um, and, you know, not that you want to do it the same as everybody, you know, but it was kind of comforting to think, oh, OK, it's not just some, you know, it's not just my husband who's like a workaholic. I realized, like, it's the team taking turns to stay for Christmas so that they each get a turn to go back to their families. Yeah. It's looking at it that way sometimes. Um, but I'm curious to see, and, and another mom, she said to me, her husband is a, um, a pediatric doctor and he does shifts and all sorts. And I said, and I asked her the question and she said to me that, as, um, that he would do his best to be there. And as long as she knew that, then she was okay with it. I don't know what your take on it is. Well, so we have um, one of our daughters is born in mid-March and my husband's company typically has a meeting every year, mid-March. Yeah. And he missed, he's missed her birthday quite a bit, but, and you know, he's missed my birthday. Well, I think with his travel and him being gone and it kind of always hit in this time, we try to either, if we're going to have birthday parties or whatever it happens to be, I like to try and at least celebrate it so he can go, hey, I was at that birthday party or he's at least in the photos in the background or, you know, we, nice. we try to, to make it happen. It doesn't always happen. 
Right. But we travel back to the States in the summer and my other daughter has a summer birthday. So, I mean, we're not always there, but you know, we're all always together. And that's, I think, hard on them as well, because they're missing out on those things that they wish they could be part of, obviously. Um, but what we did, we've done a lot is we've tried to celebrate early. We've never had to do Christmas, but we've done anniversaries. We've done all that stuff. But I think it's a bit of celebrating early and it's a little planning. I mean, it just looks it's like, OK, well, I like to know where, what his schedule is going to look like for for travel. And if I know that he's going to be traveling, then, OK, it's like, all right, well, when should we celebrate Elise's birthday? Should we do it okay. before or should we do it after? Because right. you're not going to be here during on the day of or whatever it happens to be. And so I do think that we can do little things like that, just a little scheduling. And when they're little, it's hard, right? Because it's their birthday and they want it to be on their birthday and it's always the birthday. Yeah. And you you FaceTime them in and you do it all and you take pictures and you share it with them as best you can. But if you can make things happen to include them, I do think it's really important. Yeah. I I think it can, well, I don't know. It's at get real time really, isn't it? Sometimes it can be a source of resentment, but for example, anniversaries, we've always forgotten our, even if we're under the same roof. No, it's (laughs) terrible. Really, really bad. It's not romantic at all where we're under the same roof and we're like, oh wait it was our anniversary two days ago you know and you're like this is, i can't believe that that we forgot but you know for some some people anniversaries are like super important and they're like this is a non-negotiable i mean i think i think we're in the same camp as you too um i mean we've made it 20th mm. anniversary this year so i mean that's a big one but i think it's just signifying like just recognizing yes it. yes i mean I'm more of a recognize, I don't need to have flowers and lavish thing. I mean, it's nice, but it's not, I don't need that to know that he loves me. But I also, you know, it's, it's nice. To mark it. it. And and you can mark it throughout the year. You can mark it um, at other times. It doesn't have to be on the day. And I think what can be helpful here is, is, is to say, well, you know, if he absolutely needs to be home and that he's doing all he can to be home, then that he would do it. And it's been a source of, of conversation between us as a couple. Right. Um, so, you know, I need to know that if I need you, you will be home. And it has happened that that has not been the case. And um, it's been tough. It's been very, very tough. But we talked it out and we forgave each other. You you keep going, right? this is going a bit (laughs) I don't think there's an easy answer I think I think um if it's important to you you have to make it clear um if they can do it then they can arrange I think it's important that they arrange it and that they signify that that they you know that that they're doing their best to be there um and I think there's a bit of give and take on both sides that we say well we know that that you have to be there and therefore be there no yeah, I guess. I mean, other than I'm trying to think of a time where I was like, you have to be here. Yeah, I can tell you, honestly, we've I've gone on vacations by myself because yeah. he couldn't get home or something yeah. came up or and I've done it all and I've gotten mad. And you got mad. I've gotten mad. Yeah. But I'm like, well, I'm not going to not go because you aren't going yeah. like I've yeah. took my girlfriend instead to a trip to Marbella because I was like, I'm going on this trip. You know, you were supposed yeah, to come with yeah. me and 
And this was important to me. I think we've always done what we need to do in order to to hit the big ones. We've had some tragedies that we've had to, you know, rearrange life for. But I think when it comes to that, my husband's like, you know what, I'm home. Take advantage of me being home and you do what you need to do. Or I don't worry so much, I guess. I'm maybe I'm a different animal. I don't worry so much about specific days. Mm. I think it's of the overall. Mm. Yes. For me. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it'd be one thing if like our daughter was getting married, right? Like it, that's yeah. a different. Right. But if it's I need to go and do this, okay, take care of it. We'll figure it out. We'll make a plan. Yeah. And it's not I'll make a plan or you'll make a plan. It's we'll make a plan. Yeah. When I hear a lot of talk about expat relationships and think a lot of the times we lose that connection as a team right as a cohesive team that's to me very important because it doesn't work unless we're both working at it yeah so what you're saying is he's traveling but you're a team at 100 still yeah i mean yeah totally which is how we see it too it's like we're not under the same roof because of circumstances and or choice because we've chosen split location or because we've chosen for you to take this job and you're traveling but we're a family we're one unit we're moving towards in the same direction we're working together at it sometimes you can be home sometimes you can't be home but we're a team yeah i am a big believer in that it's just for me i know that you know you can have all the smoke and mirrors you want about flowers and dinners and happy anniversaries but that the the stuff that really matters is how you work together to make things work yeah um or to keep them going in the right direction. I mean, it's not always working properly, right? But you're at least moving in the right direction. So what would you say to a mom who's maybe got young children, who's just arrived in a new place and who's exhausted and uh, whose husband is gone like lots? I am a big believer if you can, and this is if you can throw money at the problem. I mean, right. Outsource. If you can outsource whatever it happens to be, outsource your grocery shopping, outsource your babysitters, you need to take some time for yourself because that you will run yourself ragged otherwise. I have done that for a long time. And I think that's what's made me successful at this. I know that that's not always possible for people. But it's ask friends, get creative. Yes, um, think outside the box. On how to fix the problem. Split a nanny, find a play group that works for your schedule, a babysit, whatever it happens to be. If it's time that you need to yourself, because I really do believe an hour of quiet time when you're a mom of toddlers or little kids, like you need that because- Sometimes during your day at home, you're not, I love it. People are always like, you have all the time in the world. I'm like, I haven't stopped moving since the kid left this morning, right? Like it's 10 o'clock at night and I still haven't showered today. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think a lot of parents whose partners travel don't, they compare themselves to another parent whose partner doesn't travel and they might not even be expats. You can't do that. No. You can't do that because you're in a completely different uh, game. And so um, it is a lot. And I think sometimes we think to ourselves, why am I, like one mom, 
she said to me the other day, she was like, oh, I thought I had a problem. I thought I couldn't cope because it was me. I'm like, are you kidding me? No. Are you kidding me? You're in a new country. Even if it's not a new country, it might not be your country. So you're still adapting. Even if you've been there a little while, you're still adapting. He's traveling all the time. You've got toddlers or little ones, which is already an intense part. You don't have extended family around you. You're still making your circle of friends. It's. I say to people, like, it's like, are, do you expect yourself to carry 24 parcels? No. So why do you expect yourself to carry all of this? You know, yep. it's just unrealistic. So I, I think it's important that they hear that, that, it, that it's not a sign of weakness. It's not something because they can't cope. It's because that kind of life is unsustainable without a lot of help. You should not be shameful for needing break. Right. I mean, you, amen to that. We, <laughs> we all deserve it. We're all worthy of it. I mean, no one would sit there and, and question. No one's going to question you. We just put that pressure on ourselves. Right. It's that perfectionist. Like, I have to be the best mom and I've got to be the best wife and I've got to be the. I mean, some days I'm just trying to get through the day. Yeah. yeah. Without like, oh, everyone's alive today. Awesome. Yeah. That's well, we've survived and it's a success. So you're all fed. Great. Go to bed. Like, <laughs> Right. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Fantastic. Um, thank you so much for sharing so much of your experience. I know that you're writing a book, a lot of your journey, you're going to, you, you're writing it in your book. Tell us a little bit about your book. Um, so I'm writing a book. It's called Badass Broad. Um, it's a book about change. It's a book about being a flailing spouse and figuring out how to take my power back, how to take um, and be happy, find fulfillment again, uh, regain my confidence, regain who I was. Um, I think a lot of expat life and um, being an accompanying spouse, we do a lot for others in that process and we lose ourselves. And yeah. um, work like what you're doing, I wish I would have known back then, but I didn't have that. And so yeah. um, for me, I kind of came to a point in my life where my kids were a little older and I was like, all right, what the hell's going to go on here? Like something's got to change. So yeah. a bit about my journey, um, my expat journey. And it's not only for people with traveling partners, right? It's for all accompanying spouses. It's for accompanying spouses. I would say diplomat spouses. It's for anybody that, I mean, it could even be for stay-at-home moms that have moved mm -hmm. across the country. Um, yeah. When is it coming out? Uh, hopefully it'll be out sometime this summer, 2022. It's in the publishing phases now. So super. hopefully... Super. And where can where can people contact you? Uh, you can contact me at my website, which is clairehawkswell.com. Or yeah, I'll you, put it in the show notes. You can also follow me on Instagram at my theory on blooming. Um, and I'm also on Facebook at the same my theory on blooming. Super. Thank you very much, Claire. Thanks, Rhoda. I had so much fun talking about all these things. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. That was uh, that was wonderful.